Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. It's um, Wednesday and we are looking at an overcast, cloudy day today. We had a big burst of rain uh, about five in the morning. Man, it was wind was blowing. It was pouring down. <laughs> the dogs jumped on the bed. They were scared stiff. Uh, but it only lasted about an hour. Got a lot of good, got a, lo- a good uh, bit of rain for our, for our environment here. And now everything's kind of calm. So, so now we can move on. So thank you for being with us. We are looking into Chronicles, Second Chronicles 24, 25, and 26 today. If you want to find your place, please do that. And as you're finding your place, I will give our updated dad joke for the day. And that is, how does a French skeleton say hello? Bonjour. <laughs> Uh, okay. We shall now give this morning over to the Lord, ask him to bless it as we come into his presence. Father, thank you for this morning, and we do love you. We thank you for the things you're doing in our life, and ask that you would now help us to glean these truths in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Chronicles 24. Young Joash. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zebiah from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehodiah the priest. Jehodiah took two wives for him, and he became the father of sons and daughters. Now it came about after this that Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord He gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the city of Judah and collect money from all to repair the house of the Lord annually, and you shall do the matter quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly. So the king summoned Jehodiah, the chief priest, and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem a levy fixed by Moses for the servant of the Lord on the congregation of Israel for the tent of the testimony for the sons of wicked Athaliah had broken into the house of God and even used the holy things of the house of the Lord for the Baals. Verse 8, so the king commanded and they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. They made a proclamation in Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of God on Israel. In the wilderness, all the officials and all the people rejoiced and brought in their levies and dropped them into the chest until they had finished. It came about whenever the chest was brought into the king's office by the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, then the king's scribes and the chief priest officers would come, empty the chest, take it, return it to its place. Thus they did daily and collected much money. The king, Antiochia, gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord, and also workers in irons and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So, 
The workmen labored and repaired the progress in the hands of, uh, and they restored the house of God according to its specifications and strengthened it. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money for the king and Jehodiah, and it was made into utensils for the house of the Lord, utensils for service and for burnt offerings, the pans and utensils of gold and silver, and they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehodiah or Jehoiada. Now when Jehoiada reached the ripe old age, he died, and he was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done well in Israel and to the house of the Lord. But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their guilt. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, though they testified against him. They would not listen. Verse 20, Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him at the command of the king and stoned him to death at the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness which his father, Jehoiada, had shown him. But he murdered his son. And as he died, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Verse 23. Now it happened at the turn of the year that the army of the Arameans came up against them, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem destroyed all the officials of the people from among the people and, and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. Verse 24, Indeed, the army of the Arameans came with a small number of men, yet the Lord delivered a great army into their hands because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Thus they executed judgment on Joash. When they had departed from him, for they left him very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada, the priest and murdered him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Now these are those who conspired against him, Zabad, the son of Shimeath, the Ammonites, and Jehozabad, the son of Shimeath, the Moabites. As to his sons, and the many oracles against him, and the rebuilding of the house of God, behold, they are written in the book of the treaties of the book of kings. Then Amaziah, his son, became king in his place. Chapter 25. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with his whole heart. Now it came about as soon as the kingdom was firmly in its grasp that he killed his servants who had slain his father, the king. However, he did not put their children to death, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for sons, nor the sons be put to death for fathers, but each shall be put to death for his own sin. Verse 5, Moreover, Amaziah assembled Judah and appointed them according to their father's households, under commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds throughout Judah and Benjamin, he took a census of those from 20 years old and upward and found them to be 300,000 choice men, able to go to war and handle spear and shield. He hired also 100,000 valiant warriors out of Israel for 100 talents of silver. 
But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel nor with any of the sons of Ephraim. But if you do go, do it, be strong for the battle, yet God will bring you down before your enemy, for God has power to help and to bring down. Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord has much more to give you than this. Then Amaziah dismissed them, the troops which came to him from Ephraim, to go home. So their anger burned against Judah, and they returned home in fierce anger. Now Amaziah strengthened himself and led his people forth and went to the valley of salt and struck down 10,000 of the sons of Seir. The sons of Judah also captured 10,000 alive and brought them to the top of the cliff and threw them down from the top of the cliff so that they were all dashed to pieces. But the troops whom Amaziah sent back from going with him to battle raided the cities of Judah and from Samaria to Beth Horon and struck down 3,000 of them and plundered much spoil. Amaziah rebuked for idolatry. Verse 14. Now after Amaziah came from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought the gods of the sons of Seir, set them up as his gods, bowed down before them, and burned incense to them. And the anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people who have not delivered their own people from your hand? As he was talking with him, the king said to him, Have we appointed you a royal counselor? Stop. Why should you be struck down? Then the prophet stopped and said, I know that God has planned to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. Verse 17, Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took counsel and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, Come, let us face each other. Joash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, A thorn bush, which was in Lebanon, sent to a cedar, which was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. But there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trampled the thorn bush. You said, Behold, you have defeated Edom, and your heart has become proud in your boasting. Now stay at home, or why should you provoke trouble, so that you, even you, would fall, and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen. For it was from God that he might deliver them into the hand of Joash, because they had sought the gods of Edom. Verse 21. So Joash, king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh, which belonged to Judah. Judah was defeated by Israel, and they fled each to his tent. Then Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh and brought him to Jerusalem, and tore down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. He took all the gold and silver and all the utensils which were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom and the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. And Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah... But first to last, behold, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? From the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. Chapter 26. All of the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father 
Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechilia of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Verse 6. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath and the walls at Jebna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gur Baal and the Meunites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah and his fame extended to the border of Egypt and he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns, for he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile field, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster. Prepared by Jiel, the scribe, and Maasiah, the official, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. The total number of the heads of the households of the valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence his fame spread afar, and he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Verse 16, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest entered after him. And with him, 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out, because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leopard to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leopard, where he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the Acts of Uzziah. First to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, has written, So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field, in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. Well, we have a quite a number of kings there. And uh, in Judah, we're still in Judah, we get some recounting of what happened in the uh, the rebuilding of the temple and how and how wonderful that was when people so willingly gave. 
people were coming back, and this was this was a, through the worship of the Lord. This was a good thing. But overall, we see that these kings become pri- prideful, and they start walking away, or they're they are tempted away uh, from the Lord. What is clear in all three of these chapters is that the Lord can direct the path of a king as he directs the path of a river. He can change his heart. He can make him, he can raise him up and he can bring him down as we saw, I think in chapter three, um, or sorry, what, what chapter are we in? 24, <laughs> 24. Uh, he, he can raise him up and bring them down. And when they are faithful to him, he is faithful to them and he blesses them. But the moment that they start turning away, it all bets are off. It's, it's like, they don't get a pass because they were good up to a certain point. God had them as his ministers of righteousness. They were to model to the people God, in a sense. Not that they weren't to act like God, but they were to model a good and loving, faithful protector, the God who wanted to be the loving and caregiver, the good shepherd, we could say, over Israel. The kings were to model that. David modeled that. Josiah modeled that. But Uzziah began to, he did it good in the beginning. Hezekiah did good in the beginning. Many of these guys kind of started out okay. But the moment that they they deviated from that, God said, you're done. You're, and judgment came upon them because it was breaking the model. Just like when Moses struck the rock. He was to model the good shepherd as well, leading the people in the desert, leading them to good water, and uh, you, you know, as a caring shepherd. But he struck the rock that second time, and we, when he was told to speak to it, and so he broke the model, and God judged him, and he couldn't go into the promised land. So it's the same kind of thing happening here. So um, Uzziah gets judged severely as he goes in pridefully thinking that God has blessed me so much. He thinks, well, I can now go in and offer things myself. I mean, after all, I'm king. After all, I am the one that is, in a sense, the the spiritual leader of the world. I am the vicar of God on the earth. So you want to get kind of Catholic technical thought that he had, he was God's representative on the earth. And so he goes in to offer incense, and he found out real fast who the real king was and who he was before the king, just a servant. And he gets judged for it severely. And you can see how the, how the real battles are always fought in the spiritual realm, that the, the greater battles, the bigger battles, were always fought in the spiritual realm. Israel never won wars when they were not tight with God because that was the, the bigger battle, was of the heart. Were they going to remain faithful to God or not? So all things, even today, all stem from our faithfulness to God as a nation, individually, even as churches, if we are loving God with our whole heart and mind and serving him and are faithful to him, we will see this hand of protection upon us. And when we don't deviate, if he's loving, I mean, he is loving, but he will often uh, bring about discipline. Hopefully, because there is times when he just lets us go off uh, like Pharaoh and, you know, um, harden your heart to get to the point where you will realize your sin. We, we don't want that. We don't want him to just take his hand off of us and say, go sin. Some of these mega churches, you know, it just seems like they continue to f- flourish and prosper and get bigger and get more and more money. 
And it's in my mind, God just takes their hand off and says, well, go for it until it blows up in your face. And then you're ready to come back to me. So this is the way God works with spiritual leaders, um, nation, national leaders. And we just got to remain humble, remain just con- convicted of our own sin and, uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to be the one that guides and directs. Second Corinthians 11 now, just the first 15 verses. Paul, once again, defending his apostleship. I wish that you would bear with me a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed to you one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, but you bear this beautifully, for I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way, we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. But what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which we are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, distinguishing themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds." You know, I guess this is good that Paul spends all this time defending his ministry because when I stop and think about it, who is the one apostle that gets attacked the most within the church by people who are new to Christianity, untaught, or just political left in their thinking or woke in their thinking? It's always Paul. He's accused of of being a misogynist. He's accused of, of being the one who himself just invented Christianity. You hear this. No, Christianity invented by Paul. He wrote the New Testament. Jesus we like. You know, Jesus was okay, but Paul ruined it all. Paul wrote all this stuff, and, and he put all these things down. And uh, there's, there's been a lot of that over the, over the ages. And, and recently, you know, even with our church, there, there have been people that have come in and, and have dismissed Paul almost completely. The Hebrew Roots movement, which is big, is the same thing Paul was dealing with. There were these essentially Judaizers going, hey, you guys got to pay attention to the law and uh, go back to Judaism and uh, come under essentially the law to be real Christians and read in Hebrew and all this stuff. And Paul vehemently opposed this. Vehemently. I mean, you know, he criticized 
Peter for acting up and stopping the eating with the Gentiles. Uh, um, Paul loved bacon. <laughs> he ate pork sausage. Uh, Paul was completely liberated from the law. And so these people were coming in now, be, whether they were eloquent, eloquent Gentiles speaking things about liberality, becoming free from and not having to fall under the, the lordship of Jesus Christ, as we see the Joe Olsteins of the world, essentially, just love God, love God, nothing else matters. Or the hyper-Judaizers who were trying to bring people under the law. Paul is the prophet, in a sense, the apostle, who writes prophetically, would be a best, better way to put it, giving us the pure doctrine of what Christianity is. That's why he says, you may not like the way I speak, but in my writing, I know what I'm saying because he's saying, I, I know this is revelation. It's been given to me by God. I'm, in other words, he says, I'm not writing my own opinions here. This is, comes directly from God. And so it's not me you're, you are arguing against uh, or people are trying to deceive you. It's against the word of God. And he says there's many people that are deceiving themselves, thinking that they're apostles, thinking that they're prophets, thinking they're all this. And we have all these modern uh, prophets and apostles that try and change the meaning of what Paul wrote. And th we are encouraged here by Paul, just stay, just stay the course. It's all true. And if you have an issue on something that Paul wrote, well, it just means that you haven't, you haven't studied it in the whole council of Scripture because we know Paul was not a misogynist. He was not against women. What he was against was the, the sinful habits of the people in the time and, and the misdirection that they were in and, and the misappropriation of, of things that, within the church that, was, that were going on. And he says, you know, there's no Jew, no Greek, no male, nor female. I mean, in him, we're all one in Christ. He did not ever demean or, or uh, try to diminish the importance of women within the church. He just knew that there was different gifts and different roles that people had within the church. So Paul's ministry defended. I'm blessed that we have it in the word. Charles Spurgeon. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Wait, wait. Let your waiting be on the Lord. He is worth waiting for. He never disappoints the waiting soul. While waiting, keep up your spirits. Expect a great deliverance and be ready to praise God for it. The promise which should cheer you is in the middle of the verse. He shall strengthen your heart. This goes at once to the place where you need help. If your heart be sound, all the rest of the system will work well. The heart wants calming and cheering, and both of these will come if it be strengthened. A forceful heart rests and rejoices and throbs force into the whole man. No one else can get at the secret urn of life, the heart so as to pour strength into it. He alone who made it can make it strong. God is full of strength, and therefore he can impart it to those who need it. Oh, be brave, for the Lord will impart his strength to you, and you shall be calm in tempest and glad in sorrow. He who penned these lines can write as David did, wait, I say on the Lord. I do indeed say it. I know by long and deep experience that it is good for me to wait upon the Lord. 
it is good. And it can strengthen the heart. How amazing he says in sorrow, be glad, or whatever, be, be rejoicing, I guess, because your God is the one who will strengthen you. It just requires the steadfastness, patience, and waiting upon him. And uh, it's great to see it, in fact. One of the pastors in Albuquerque has got cancer. He's in the hospital right now, Chip. And, um, and he is rejoicing. He writes and he says, hey, God is good. Um, God is doing amazing things. And he's, he's, he's very positive. He's in the Mayo Clinic right now. We need to pray for him. But he is strengthened in his heart. And, and that's, uh, those are the things that minister to us all the time. When people are weak and God is made strong in them, and they see that, and they don't complain per se, or they don't get bitter, they they wait upon the God and they worship. And so let's let's do that, or at least commit to it. Father, we thank you for everything you are doing. Thank you um, for the many, many blessings that we have, and sometimes we forget um, the blessings that we do have. So... Thank you. There is there is opportunity for you to be glorified in all that we are doing. And uh, God, we would ask that you would strengthen us uh, and somehow be glorified no matter what we're going through. It, it is our, our heart desire, God, to, to use whatever situation we're going through to be a ministry, to be somehow something that glorifies you, even in our sickness, as we ch- see Chip up in the Mayo Clinic, God, and we do pray that he would be used in a major way, not only in those people that are well, but those people that are going through the same thing, those that are in the clinic. So, Father, we're just going to finish off the prayer by thanking you for all that you're doing, praising you for this morning, and ask that you guide and direct us in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for everybody that missed the prayer because it got muted, I did pray for a number of things, and I don't know what happened there, but... Um, we do have Pastor Joe with um, some cancer, Calvary Chapel up in Bucetillas. He's getting some chemo. He's getting things lined up there. And Chip, let's go up in the Mayo Clinic, who's getting treatment there. Says that's going well. Uh, the prognosis, the doctors are encouraged that how fast he is healing or responding to the treatment. Juan Carlos, who got a severe um, tumor up in Mexico City, is, is now doing way better. It seems to be clear of cancer and is now looking for a job. And um, and Dean and Kim, who just Dean is needing to get Tom back on track. He's a very talented computer. Uh, anal- well, he's he's got many talents on the computer. He's got too, too much to mention. We're just praying that he gets um, the job that he desires and get um, up and going again. So, uh, thank you guys for today. We'll wait for you at six thirty today uh, as we worship the Lord together here in Calvary Chapel. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye.